Welcome to our new study on the doctrine of eschatology. Eschatology is a word that means last things. It comes from the Greek word eschatos, which means last. And so eschatology is the study of last things, or we sometimes call it the study of the end times. But uh, eschatology falls into uh, two categories. There are two categories of eschatology. One is what is called personal eschatology, what's going to happen at your end or at the end of a particular person's life. And then second is cosmic eschatology, what's going to happen at the end of the world as we know it, the end of the universe, the cosmos. So we're going to be talking about both of those categories over the next several weeks as we uh, study and talk about the doctrine of eschatology, study what the Bible has to say about last things. We'll look at what the Bible says about death and burial, what it says about the intermediate state, what happens when we die. We'll look at what the Bible says about the return of Christ. We'll look at various views about the millennium, uh, the thousand year reign of Christ spoken of in Revelation chapter 20. We'll talk about the resurrection. Uh, We will talk about the final judgment and we will talk about the eternal state, hell and the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth. But today we want to talk about why eschatology matters, why we should study eschatology. When you think about eschatology, um, maybe a few different things come to your mind. For a lot of people, uh, what comes to mind, I think, when, when they think of eschatology is charts and timelines and wondering who the Antichrist is and who this beast is and who the false prophet is and uh, things along those lines when the rapture is going to happen, things like that. Um, And for some people, when they think about those things, they think, I'm not interested in that at all. I love the Bible. I, you know, I want to follow Jesus, but I, you know, a lot of that stuff, I, I don't understand it and I don't have the answers to the questions. And so I just don't worry about it all that much. Um, when we talk about eschatology in this study, what we're, we're not going to be focused on, who the Antichrist is, who the beast is, etc. Um, those are significant questions, but they're not the central and essential questions. We're going to be focusing, focused on uh, more of the essentials of eschatology, the things that the Bible emphasizes or that are um, really significant for putting together how all of these things work um, or how all these things are going to take place like what do we believe about the millennium Um, so uh, this uh, for this study what i want to do today is focus on two things that are central in eschatology one this is very very important is that in the bible eschatology is centered around Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Wherever we study the last things, wherever we read about the end times, we are learning about Jesus. And it is whatever text we're studying uh, will be centered on Jesus. And so sometimes when people study eschatology or teach eschatology or talk about eschatology, you can't tell that eschatology is really about Jesus. Uh, they get caught up in some of the the smaller details and how things may or may not be playing out in, in the Middle East or you know what they think might be a fulfillment of prophecy or is this a fulfillment of prophecy or whatever. 
We're not going to be focused on those things in this study. Again, we're going to be focused on the central and essential things mainly, and the the central and essential thing is that eschatology is about Christ, and you'll see that uh, practically in the texts that we're going to look at here in just a little bit. The second thing that is central and essential when we talk about eschatology and helps us answer the question, why does eschatology matter, is that in the New Testament, one of the purposes of eschatology, of knowing and understanding what the Bible says about what is going to happen at the end, at the end of your life and at the end of uh, the world as we know it, is um, knowing those things shapes the way that we live right now. Eschatology is not merely speculation about the future, right? In fact, it's not, there's not much of that at all. Eschatology is about how what we know is going to happen in the future changes the way that we live right now. So let me show you why I say that. We're going to look at a few passages of Scripture. One of them is in 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. This might be um, my favorite of the passages we're going to look at today. <clears throat> 1 John 3, 2 and 3. Um, John is a simple but profound writer. When you read John's Gospel or John's letters, uh, his writing is not overly complicated, but it is incredibly deep. Here's what he says. 1 John 3, verse 2. He says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. Okay, so he says, Right now, beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, people who belong to Jesus, right now, we are children of God. We've been adopted into God's family. We belong to Him. We call Him Father. We know that. We experience that right now. What we don't yet know, at least not in detail, is what we will be. He says what we will be has not yet appeared. We haven't yet seen or experienced what we're going to be like when Christ returns. But here's what we do know. He says, but we know that when he appears, when Christ comes back, when he reveals himself, when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. So when Jesus comes back, we are going to be transformed because we are going to see him and seeing him is going to change and transform us so that we are as perfectly like him as it is possible for human beings to be. So that's eschatology, right? He said there's Parts of it we don't know, we haven't yet seen, but here's what we know for sure. Jesus is coming back, and when Jesus comes back, we're going to see him, and when we see him, we're going to be like him. That is at the heart of eschatology. That's what we are anticipating, looking forward to, longing to, the, longing for the day when Christ returns, when we see him face to face, when we are changed into his likeness. Now, what does that have to do with right now? Verse 3. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. In other words, if you are hoping for, longing for the day when Christ returns and you get to see him and you are made like him, then right now you are going to be living in such a way that you are trying to become more like him even now. You are going to be 
purifying yourself, working to be sanctified, to be made more and more like Christ even now as you anticipate the time when Jesus comes back and you become perfectly like him. In other words, if you really, if you believe that Jesus is coming back and you want to see him and be like him, then right now you're not going to just, you know, live as if Jesus doesn't exist or live as if you're not a Christian. If you know Jesus is coming back and you want to see him and be like him, then you're going to be trying to become as much like him as you can be even now in anticipation of that because that's what you're longing for. And so um, eschatology, again, it centers around Jesus and it encourages us to pursue holiness, to pursue godliness, to become more like Christ. Right Here's the second passage. It's in 2 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 10. Pretty much all of 2 Peter 3 is about uh, eschatology. It's about the return of Christ. The first part of chapter 3 is about the fact that people, there are people who scoff at the idea of Jesus coming back. They think that sounds ridiculous. And Peter uh, shows why, that they're, why they're wrong to scoff at the return of Christ. It may be taking longer than some people expected or thought it would take, but he is going to come back and we have reason to believe that and be confident in that. And then here's what he says, verse 10. He says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. So Jesus is coming back. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. It's going to be a surprise, an hour that no one expects, Jesus himself said. And the heavens are going to pass away, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. So the cosmos, the universe as we know it, is going to be changed. It's going to be um, no more. It's not that there will no longer be a heavens and an earth, because verse 13 says, According to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. But the present heavens and earth, the present cosmos, the present universe as we know it, will no longer exist, and in its place will be a new heavens and a new earth. And uh, in the meantime, right before the new heavens and the new earth arrive, the first heaven and earth is going to pass away. Now, how should that change the way that we live right now? Verse 11, Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, What sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? In other words, Peter tells us this not just so that we can, you know, imagine and and make movies about what it might be like when the world ends. Peter tells us what's going to happen so that we will live differently, so that we will live holy and godly lives. So that we will reckon with the fact that this life is not all there is. This universe as it currently exists is not going to last forever. There is coming a time when Christ will return, when the heavens and earth as we know them now will dissolve and will there will be a new heavens and a new earth that is filled with righteousness. And so if this life is not all there is, and this universe is not all that there is, but that there's a a Savior, a King, Jesus, who's coming back and establishing a a new creation of righteousness, then we ought to be right now people of holiness and godliness, people who are devoted to Christ and following Christ and uh, seeking to love like Christ and serve like Christ. 
because we know that this life is not all there is, that there's more. And we want to be ready for the day when Christ returns, and we want to be the kind of people who would love to live in a new creation where righteousness dwells. People who pursue righteousness, love righteousness, treasure righteousness. So knowing what's going to happen in the future should shape and change the way that we live right now. All right, one more passage I want to draw your attention to. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the very last verse, verse 58. 1 Corinthians 15 is a really long chapter all about the resurrection. It's about Jesus' resurrection, and it's about the resurrection of believers at the return of Christ. And after Paul says, um, here's what's going to happen when Christ returns. Our bodies are going to be raised imperishable, immortal, no longer weak, um, but we are going to be, um, again, immortal, and death will no longer have any sting for us, and so on, and all that because Jesus has conquered death and, and come to, to save us and deliver us. And he says, verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Earlier in the chapter, he said um, that those who don't believe in the resurrection might say, let us eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Who cares how we live? Let's have a good time. Let's enjoy our life because this is all there is. Paul says if there's no resurrection, that makes sense. But there is a resurrection. Christ has been raised, and we will be raised, and, and we will have to give an account to the Lord. And so living that way does not make sense. Instead, we should obviously believe in Jesus and the resurrection, and we should be ready for the day when uh, we'll be raised from the dead. And Paul says what that means right now is that we should be steadfast and immovable. We should um, believe in the resurrection of Jesus, believe that Christ is coming back, believe that his people will be raised from the dead, believe that all people will have to give an account before the Lord. Uh, and, uh, um, if, you know, pulling not only this chapter together, but other things Paul says. And he says, always abounding in the work of the Lord. In other words, be doing what God has called you to do. Love God, love your neighbors, serve people, read the Bible, pray, all those things that uh, Jesus calls his people to do and God expects us to do and encourages us to do. All Be doing those things, be abounding in those things because in the Lord your labor is not in vain. It's not like you're going to serve and love and give and and go to church and read the Bible and pray for people and, and cook people meals and then all of a sudden it's just all going to be over. No, it's not going to happen that way. Because Jesus is alive. He's coming back for His people. And with Him uh, is going to come a new creation, a new heavens and a new earth. And everything that we will have done in this life will have mattered. Everything we do for the Lord will count. It is not going to be in vain. It is not going to go to waste. So when the Bible teaches us about eschatology, when the Bible reminds us about what is going to happen, whether at our end or at the end, what the Bible does is it uses those teachings, gives us those teachings, and then applies those teachings to us in this way. It says to us, this ought to encourage you to be holy. This ought to encourage you to follow Jesus even more faithfully. This ought to encourage you to keep doing, to persevere in the good work 
that you are giving your life to, that you are pursuing. So when you think about eschatology, eschatology, think about these two things. Think about the fact that eschatology always centers around Jesus. And number two, think about the fact that eschatology is not in the Bible to promote speculation, but to promote, promote our sanctification, to help us grow in holiness and godliness as we wait for the day of Christ's glorious return. Amen, and come Lord Jesus.